Hi and welcome. This is Creating Cadence, a podcast for life and work in motion. And I'm your host, Mesh Bondizio. This is episode 11 and the second episode of season 2. In this season, I'm introducing a Q&A element to some of my episodes, and that's what we're doing for the first time today. I'm going to be answering some questions and addressing some challenges and observations that listeners have written in about. The topics in this particular episode cover issues with balancing work and personal responsibilities in this time of COVID. But first a bit about me, your host, Mish. I'm a business coach and performance mentor, a consultant and the founder of Growth Sessions, which is my learning and training platform for individuals and small teams who are working in creative and digitally focused workplaces. Essentially, I help people to build better work-life cadence so that they can lead more extraordinary lives in full colour. The aim of my work is to enable people to develop more mindful approaches to work that better support their creativity, productivity and well-being. You can find out more about me and what I do at growthsessions.co. The Creating Cadence podcast is an accompaniment to Growth Sessions, and supports my mission to help people activate more of their potential, both in themselves and in their businesses. A reminder too that I'm recording this podcast at home during the third lockdown, so you may hear random noises and passing traffic. Today it's also howling a gale, and my neighbours happen to be doing repairs on their roof. And with all of those formalities out of the way, let's dive in. Today's questions are from Rachel, a freelancer based in the north of England. Rachel submitted two questions. The first is how to avoid wasting time scrolling when you should be working, which just takes some willpower on my part, I think, she says. And second, how can people separate their work life from their home life? Rachel also included some background, which I'll share when we get to her second question. So thank you so much for writing in, Rachel. These are great questions and pretty common predicaments that people are finding themselves in with many of us working from home. Looking at your first question, how to avoid wasting time scrolling when you should be working, Rachel, I'm afraid this is going to take far more than just your willpower to solve. For many of us, scrolling on our phones has become an autopilot behavior. It's a coping mechanism for stress, and it does two things. Scrolling can be a soothing behavior, And it's also a procrastination tool. Studies have confirmed that procrastination is an emotional response to stress, and diving down the social media rabbit hole has become a common way for us to unconsciously avoid what's making us feel stressed or bored or uncomfortable. Check out episode 7 on procrastination if you want to dive a bit deeper on the topic. Now our willpower comes from the same well as our energy, motivation and our cognitive behaviour. By that I mean our thought processes and decision-making. That means that if our supply is running dry because we're perhaps super stressed or we've got a lot of work on that's using more of our cognitive load, then we're more likely to engage in detrimental habits, whether that means scrolling or eating naughty carbs or sugar. Also, don't forget that a lot of apps that we access on our digital devices, particularly the social media apps, they have been specifically and deliberately created to hold your attention. This is primarily so that their advertisers, who are their real clients, get their products seen by you. 
These apps also use behavioral psychology to get you hooked on their platform, so that you keep coming back because of a fear of missing out. What's happening here is that your brain is deliberately being hijacked. Psychologists have also identified the effects of our digital addictions as being exactly the same as any other addiction. And when we become so reliant on our devices and their apps, the physical and mental withdrawal effects that we feel when we're without them are as strong as if you were addicted to crack cocaine. Unfortunately, our willpower stands no chance against the tantalizing scroll. It's like gambling with a one-armed bandit. You keep pulling the handle, just once more. Similarly, scrolling has become that default shortcut behavior to soothe us when we feel any discomfort. So if we can't rely on willpower, what do we do? Well, a good place to start with stopping the automatic scrolling behavior is to first remove access to the tool which enables this behavior. Let's be honest with ourselves. The main and most typical thing we should really need our phones for in a work context is to make a call. All the other things we do on a phone, we can also do on our desktop. So when you're trying to do deep or focused work, then put your phone in a drawer, put it behind you, put it in another room, or keep it in your bag. Do not have it on your person or within arm's reach of you. Turn off notifications and put it on silent. Studies have found that if we can see our devices, even if we're not using them, they split our attention in two. And when we're not truly focusing on one thing, it's far easier to get distracted by another. There are other ways to change our habits too, which I will cover in future episodes, but to summarize, my go-to suggestion to help you stop the scrolling is to make it a challenge to dive into those soothing but detrimental behaviors. You have to disrupt the existing behavior in some way. You have to build the new behavior, and that takes practice. Not just saying you'll do it, but actually practicing doing it. Keeping your phone away from your line of sight is a simple measure, and you might think it sounds so simple that it's ineffective. But you will find if you give it a go, that out of sight truly is out of mind. Now let's look at Rachel's second question. How can people separate their work life from their home life? Here's some extra info from Rachel to flesh out this question. Rachel writes, I found as a freelancer, it's a challenge because of how flexible you can be with your hours. It means you can also work all evening or at least have work on the brain when you would ordinarily be thinking of anything but work if you had a 9-to-5 employed job. Not having this distinction between working time and non-working time can be quite draining, I find. If you start to feel like you're always working and potentially not being very efficient with your time as a result. She goes on to say, I thought maybe people who are now working from home more might find this relatable as well, as you're not able to leave the space you work in. For example, some people might not be lucky enough to have a separate office in their home to use as a work zone or have access to a place like a co-working space and therefore end up working in their living room or kitchen, which would normally be used as a place for relaxing and enjoying time off. Rachel, thank you for your thoughts. This is a challenge I see a lot. It requires both a mindset shift and a habit shift. Working remotely or in a distributed manner from home, as most of us are currently doing, requires a lot more discipline to manage the distractions and the blended environment we're in. Irrespective of whether you have a separate workroom at home or you're working from your kitchen table, the key here is to develop some habits and rituals that help to set boundaries, 
so that you can demarcate and separate these different parts of your daily life. I cover this in a lot more detail in my intentional productivity training courses, but I'm going to offer some suggestions for listeners to consider applying in their situation. The first is to have intentional rituals to start and end your day. This prepares your mind for starting work and it signals to your brain when it's time to stop work. For me, when I sit down in front of my computer to start my day, the first things I do are 1. Put my cup of tea or glass of water on the right-hand side of my desk. 2. I open and turn on my laptop. 3. I open my bullet journal planner and electronic calendar to see what's on the cards for today. That tells my brain that it's time to get into work mode. And when I finish, I spend the last 30 minutes of my workday reviewing my calendar and bullet journal planner to help prepare for tomorrow. What signals me to start the shutdown routine is a calendar reminder that I've set in the morning based on how many hours I want or need to work today. After I've done that, I close my journal and my laptop, which signals to my brain that it's time to shift to a different mode of being. After that, I might go for a walk or cook dinner or watch telly. If you're working in a space that's also used for other things, then it's good to be as portable as you can be to help you shift from one mode to the other. For example, can you keep a lightweight, movable productivity kit nearby that holds all the tools you might need to do your work that you can put beside your computer when you're working? Your kit could contain your stapler, punch, post-its, pens, whatever you use regularly to help you with your tasks. When you're done for the day, you move your laptop and your productivity kit out of the way so that the table can be used for your evening meal or helping the kids with their homework. And if it's out of the way, you're not tempted to dip into work stuff. And if it's out of the way, that leaves room for you to do the things that help you relax. Now, our phones and tablets can be detrimental to relaxation in the evening too, because they're also the place where we check our emails on the go. The best thing is to set your devices down in the evening and not look at them at all. But obviously, we're all a bit addicted. So if you find that you're using your phone or tablet at night, think about whether you can activate your night mode settings for certain apps so that you're unable to access things like emails after a certain time. If you work as part of a team, do you have an agreement within the team about not sending or responding to emails outside of typical working hours? Are you clear about setting boundaries with your clients too? Don't be afraid, we all have personal responsibilities and our current situation because of the pandemic has made it so much easier to be open about them. You can be upfront with clients by specifying your working hours. You can add a line in your email signature which indicates to people what your typical working pattern is. To be brutally honest, 99% of the time nothing is so important or urgent that it requires a response at 9pm on Tuesday or 11am on a Sunday. So go on, set those boundaries. This is where we need to adjust our own mindset and our behaviours too. We're acting on autopilot a lot of the time and we're letting ourselves work too much. Even if you put in the extra hours tonight to get the work done, there will still be more work to do tomorrow and you will be tired. And if you repeat that cycle every day, eventually you're on track for burnout. Our brains need adequate time for rest and recovery, so we have to make time away from the console and from our screens. Circa, a business consultant, also wrote in to share that her challenge working remotely is all the extra time spent on computer screens, especially when doing additional online courses in the evening and on the weekend. But Circa has found a way to mitigate the stress and the strain. She says, I realized how important exercise is, 
not just for the body to shake off the sluggishness, but also for my mental well-being. It's simple. If we don't adequately support our body and our brain, we can't work effectively over the long haul. Many of us are spending far too many hours on Zoom calls. We really have to stop this. We have to set better boundaries. We have to change the culture. And it starts with each and every one of us. So decide how you want to work. What's important to you in the way that you work? What do you like or dislike about it? What can you introduce or take away? When is a meeting truly necessary? Does your email really need to be open all day? Do those notifications really need to be pinging at you? Yes, things do fluctuate from day to day. We can't work too rigid systems though, so there will be times when you are spending extra time online. But you can also take control of designing what a typical day will look like for you. Can you factor in activities that you can do to help you decompress after a long day online? Remember, we have a choice here. The bottom line is that to create clearer boundaries between work and home life, we have to be more deliberate in how we work. We have to be intentional about our productivity. As mentioned earlier, I offer self-paced courses and coaching programs which focus on developing intentional productivity practices. You can find out more about them on growthsessions.co. Thank you to everyone who wrote in. I will get to the other questions I've received in future episodes. And please do keep them coming. What's bugging you about productivity, well-being or remote work? Do you want to share the challenges you're experiencing with managing your focus, work performance or culture? Or have you found solutions to support your work better in current times? You can write in to hello at growthsessions.co. The Creating Cadence podcast is a place where I share thoughts, ideas, tips, and the latest research on productivity, behavior design, and digital wellness, all to help you develop a better work-life cadence. If you want to understand the concept of cadence in more depth, please have a listen to episodes one and two from the first season. So thanks again for being here. Until next time, please take care out there. Be brave, think big, and keep moving forwards one step at a time. And turn off those notifications. Bye for now.